you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waits, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got a very renowned guest today in the form of Brian Clayton, who is the CEO and co-founder of Green Panel. And it's fair to say, I'd say you're a, a veteran um, uh, business owner, entrepreneur. Uh, really looking forward to digging into your story today, Brian. Welcome to the show. Robin, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here, man. It's my absolute pleasure. Now, as everybody knows, when we, we listen in, we never start off with the question, hey, so Brian, tell me about yourself. I actually just want to dig straight in and actually get some really juicy um, uh, tidbits of advice about from your entrepreneurial journey, obviously, uh, Brian. But I'm just going to start off with a very open-ended question because obviously, um, you know, major part of what you've done is based around sort of tech startups and things like that. But what's the best way to, to start and grow a tech startup? Yeah. Well, first off, uh, thanks for having me on your show. I love the the title of your show, the, the Fearless Podcast. I think like in business, you should like be drawn towards that which scares you. And like, that's always a good indicator for me. And when I, when I sold my, I actually had a landscaping business. I started in high school and grew it up to one of the biggest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live, sold it, uh, retired. And then I was like, what do I do now? And I thought, well, I'm going to start a mobile app. I'm going to start GreenPal, the Uber of lawn care. And I was scared. I was scared because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. I didn't know how to build software. I didn't know how to market software. I didn't know the first thing about it. So I was scared. And I was, and looking back, like being drawn towards something that, that scares you is kind of a good indicator that you're in the right place. You're, you're, you're on the right track. So I love, I love the title of, of, of your podcast, you know, and, and so how do you like, how do you get started starting a mobile app? How do you get started starting a marketplace? I think it can be helpful in any business to, to like have a big ambition, but, but think and start small, very, very, very small. And you might think, well, I'll never get anywhere doing that. But I think like business is full of these dichotomies. And one of them is like huge ambition. I want to like build a breakout product, but I, but I'm going to act really small for a long time. And that's how we got started. We, uh, my two co-founders and I, uh, hacked together a, a product and and we released it into our marketplace in Nashville, Tennessee. And the first thing we did was we passed out door hangers all over Nashville to try to get people to use this mobile app to get their lawn mode. And uh, you know, we got a, a couple of hundred people to try it out, and we just met with as many of those as we could to figure out what the hell we were doing, and and took that feedback and made the app better and better and better and. Over a four or five year period of time, we actually built something that was that was good, that was decent, and and here we are eight years in. You know, we're nationwide in the United States, several hundred thousand people using the app, so we're kind of an eight year overnight success. And it started by just thinking and acting very, very, very small. I like that. So there's two things which stand out for me. There is about start small and don't be don't be afraid of actually starting small because um uh, and and also around sort of like an eight year overnight success. I think there's a common misconception these days about getting any kind of business, whether it's an app or uh, a business coaching practice or whatever it is, um, it, that it's super easy to get a business started online. But actually, mm. the reality is like I think every market is is massively overly saturated. How did yep. you how did you know what to kind of um, where to kind of 
put all of your eggs into which basket, you know, back in, I think it was 2013 when you started yeah. this app up. Yeah, we, we were reading a book at the time called The Startup Owner's Manual, and it's by this author named Steve Blank. And this is kind of the predecessor to Eric Reese's Lean Startup. What those two books really teach you is to get out of the building. Like, I'm in the building, get out and go talk to customers, go talk to users, go talk to people who are trying out your product, because that's really only how you know what the heck it is you're trying to do. That's really only how you can discover where you need to be focusing like your limited bandwidth. And that's something that we we took to heart really early on. And, and, and that even to this day, we make it really easy for customers to talk to us. So we understand, okay, these are the three things we need to focus on this week. This is, the, this is like the next thing we need to be focusing the team's firepower on. And so that's how like we've never really been at a loss to understand where we need to focus our intensity because like our free R&D department is feedback from people using our, our marketplace on both sides of the transaction because that's really what we do. We we connect homeowners with lawn care services. And so we kind of have two customers almost. And so constantly making it frictionless for them to speak with us, to email us, to chat with us is how we've always kind of had like a, an, an innate understanding of, okay, these are the two or three things we have to focus on right now. And then rinse and repeat, do that for a decade. That's how you build something. One of the things that stood out for me when I was um, first starting up my coaching practice, I remember somebody actually, um, I said, you know, why, why did you want to get into this business in the first place? Like, which customers do you enjoy working with the most? And he actually said none of them. And I was like, how can you, how can you have a business where you don't like your customers? Like, you're yeah, not going to listen to them. So it's such a great <laughs> tip to actually just, like, take the time to speak to your customers and understand them and and, and listen to them. You got to reframe it. You got to reframe it. You know, it's like, uh, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Jeff Bezos quotes, he says, the one thing I love about the customer is that she is always, discontent the, the customer's always discontent like this today's innovation is tomorrow's like uh not a big deal so yeah it's it's, it's it's the thing that's driving you forward as an entrepreneur absolutely you mentioned as well that you had two business partners when you started this app up did you were you friends with them before how did you know that they were the right people to go into business with it's a great question um i my advice is so i got very very lucky and without my two partners, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, and we, our team wouldn't be where we are. The, the product wouldn't be where it is. That said, my advice is go it alone. Don't found a business with a, with a co-founder unless you find your business soulmate. You find the person that you can just not imagine doing the business without. You find the person that you love working with because odds are you're going to be spending more time with your co-founder than you are your, your actual spouse. And uh, sadly, if the business is successful, you're going to maybe be with them longer than most marriages last. And the other thing is it's, it's easier to unwind it's easier to get a divorce than it is to unwind a business partnership. So really think about it in, in with almost the same gravity of who you're going to marry, because that's how important a decision is. So step one, go it alone unless you find your you you seek out and find your business soulmate. Step two is is ideally you do what Paul Graham talks about is like a hacker and a hustler. If you're, if you're trying to start a tech company, like somebody that gets like the, the tech side and then somebody who's just like sales driven, who can drive the project forward. Um, and, and because, because of the, the point is you need complementary kind of like DNA, complementary skill sets. 
for me, I just flat out got lucky. I, I recruited two people who I'd known for a long time and they had one thing that I was looking for. They had a chip on their shoulder. They wanted to be more in life. They wanted to, to build something that mattered. They wanted to create a breakthrough product and they weren't content. They weren't happy with where they were in life. And I knew so long as they were sufficiently motivated in that regard that we could figure out everything else. And that's how it unfolded for us. We taught ourselves how to code. We taught ourselves how to, how to market software. We taught ourselves how to, how to design products. And, and so it's like, so long as you're sufficiently motivated and your co-founders are too, that can help. But ideally you start off like, like on first base with somebody that knows something that you don't know and vice versa, and your skills are complementary. And, and how did you kind of divvy up the work, so to speak? Are we kind of just all doing everything between the three of you? Yeah, ideally, you need, to, you need to segment it out in the early days because it's all you as the founder or co-founders doing all the, the heavy lifting. So ideally, you segment it out to, to what, what you're naturally good at. And we really didn't know. I mean, I had built and sold a business already. And so I, I had kind of known that I was decent at leadership, decent at management, decent at sales. So I kind of took on those roles. And then uh, my other co-founder was a little more technically inclined than I was. Not much, but maybe a little more. And then my other co-founder was more of like a, like a soft skills, people person type of person. And so that's kind of how we, we, uh, we divvied up the, the work in the early days. So my, my, my co-founder, Zach, went to uh, software school and, and, and over a six-month boot like, period of time, like learned how to build back-end software. And, uh, and my other co-founder learned product design. And I learned how to do front-end engineering. And, and we just kind of were in the business for many years before we were able to kind of transition into, into on the business. We were very much in it. Was there a point when you thought, Oh goodness, I've kind of, I've started doing this thing again, you know, started up another business and am I doing the right thing? Was there a part where, you know, if your partner was on the scene, like, was she kind of questioning everything that, um, you know, all the decisions you were making and things like that. And consequently then to that, what was the point where you were like, no, this is working. This is going to plan. It's a great question. You know, there's a time in every entrepreneur's life where you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. Nothing is working. Everything is failing. And my spouse is about to leave me. You know, it's almost like you're not like pushing hard enough unless you go through that. So like, I definitely went through that. The first two or three years were really, really, really hard. Uh, it was very much an exercise in faith. And there was never any like one moment where it was like, we just broke out and everything became easy. It's very much over an eight year, nine year period of time. It's been like a, what, what Jim Collins calls a 20 mile march. It's just slow incremental progress. Uh, to use uh, soccer or, or football as an example, like there's no long ball. It's very much, like, like slow build up from the back. And uh, that's how it unfolded for us, you know, but there were little moments, there were little glimmers and we celebrated those, you know, we, we focused on one thing in the early days and even to this day is transactions per week. And uh, in the first year we wanted to do 100 transactions a week and we ended the year and it was like 50 and, and 50, 57, I think. And, and half of them were my friends and family. But in year two, I'll never forget. There was a Saturday we were both working and I think like something like 33 people had signed up for the product. And uh, a big moment here, I didn't know who any of them were. And so I took that to mean like, wow, you mean I can, I can market this, this service, market this product, market this marketplace at will and not have to like hustle up people with hand to hand combat style. And, and I thought if I get 33, I know I can get a hundred. If I get a hundred, I can get a thousand. If I get a thousand, I get 10,000. 
And that's how it's unfolded for us. So we've celebrated the small wins, made goals that weren't easy, but achievable and just kept at it. I'm I'm a very big fan of like very specific goals. I love numbers. Like that's my thing. I'm the pricing guy. I love I love kind of setting out a goal of, you know, if you're going to make a hundred thousand dollar a year business, reverse engineer that. It's one client at hundred k. It's ten clients at ten k. It's a hundred clients at a thousand k. One k. You know, so you know, clear and specific, measurable goals. I think is super important, and it, and it gives you like stepping stones as well. You know whether you've hit it or fallen short, or what you've got to do to move forward. So I think that's such a great tips that not just a startup founder, but any any coach or consultant or freelancer can take on board. I think most people, it's fair to say, set up a business and they kind of blindly just go about, you know, selling some stuff and they don't really evaluate it until a coach comes along and about three to five years down the lines, you know, tells them to have a look backwards. And quick question, I know this is a slight shift in gears here, but was it easier, would you say, or harder to grow a business having already had a successful business? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so I, I spent 15 years in running a traditional blue collar style of business. It was a lawn care and landscaping company. I built that from just myself and a push mower to over 150 people and got that company over $10 million a year in annual revenue and sold it. And it doesn't happen a whole lot in this in this industry. And so here I am, I'm selling this business and I retired. I didn't have to work anymore, which was nice. And, and I think I know everything there is to know about business. I'm, I'm riding my high horse, starting, uh, my second company, green pal. And, uh, that's one of the beautiful things about business. It's like a humble feedback machine. It will knock you down and it will bring you back down to earth quicker than, than I think almost anything else in life. And so I start this app and, uh, quickly I'm, I'm confronted with the reality of like, whoa, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, what I didn't understand or didn't know was that there's a big difference between like building a traditional type of business, you know, a, a construction company, a restaurant, an online store that sells merchandise. You know, that's a that's a known kind of path. Um, there's, there's a whole nother order of magnitude, more difficulty with inventing a new product from scratch that does not yet exist in the world. And so it's kind of like here, you know, in the first type of business, you're working really hard, you're trying to get it going and you're hustling it up. And then the second bit, you're doing all of that, but also you kind of see the world a little differently and you see a a, a version of the future that does not yet exist. And you're kind of trying to build like the, the product to get there. And there's no known roadmap. There's no known like way to do it. You're just kind of slowly like going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm and just figuring it out as you go. And so for us, like that was something I didn't really understand until we got in there year one, year two, year three. It's like, holy crap, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But we just, uh, we didn't give up. That we that was the way we we got something going was just to not give up and celebrate the, celebrated the small little victories and kept going. And in terms of, um, you know, the, the differences between the two, two um, businesses. So I, myself as well, I've been, you know, running businesses since the early 2000s. And, you know, the marketing space has changed dramatically over that time because of all of the different apps and software and, um, you know, social media platforms. And uh, thanks to the internet, you know, it's a very confusing place to be. What, what do you think of the, um, if you, if you, it's a very open-ended question. So take this way where you want to, Brian, but what would you say is some of the sort of the marketing fundamentals that you've stuck to with Green Powell that's given it the greatest success over the past eight years? Yeah, in many ways, starting a business today is easier than it's ever been. And in many ways, it's harder. 
Um, and so, but I think it's easier in the sense that the information is there. You know, everything you need to know is is at your fingertips. Whereas when I was starting a business in the late 90s, early 2000s, like maybe we had some cassette tapes or some talk that somebody gave at a conference somewhere five years ago that you could buy. Um, but nowadays you can pop anything up on YouTube and, and everything I know about building GreenPal and, and my co-founders as well came from YouTube university. And it's just, it's like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna like reinvent yourself as an entrepreneur, as a founder, your living room needs to be a classroom. Your car needs to be a mobile classroom. There are not enough hours in the day for you to learn the things you're gonna have to learn. And that relates to you know product design, it relates to, to, to the technical execution, and most importantly, it relates to the distribution and marketing because the distribution and marketing is what kills most startups. If, if you, know, you can have the best product in the world but if you haven't done some sort of innovation on, on distribution and marketing for it, it does not matter. It's dead on arrival. And so for us, you know, early on, like, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week working in the business, but then another 30, 40 hours a week trying to learn stuff like, like if we can make paid channels work, if we can make Facebook ads or Instagram ads or, or Google ads work, um, SEO, uh, how are we going to compete in SEO? Wow, that's really tough too. What, what's it going to take to, to compete in SEO? And so we threw all of our all of our effort into one channel. That was organic search. And even back then, you know, eight years ago, even to this day, half of what maybe our output was on a weekly basis was all the things you need to do to compete in organic search. And uh, and and the only way we've been able to do that is just by learning from other practitioners watching tons of, of hours and hours and hours of content on, on YouTube and, and paying for a few premium courses here and there and learning it ourselves and then executing it ourselves and building out our team to execute our plan. Probably difficult to kind of pin down one, one specific resource or book or course that you've done over the time, which has kind of made one of the biggest transformations. And you mentioned sort of, you know, the Lean Startup by Eric Reese earlier on and another book as well. But what, what would you say is like, where would you send somebody who's kind of just getting into, um, getting into starting up a business and growing it? Where would you say, what would be the first thing you say, go and have a look at this? Yeah, and and this is a this is a general resource, but of course the E Myth by Michael Gerber is like basic one hundred and one. This is what it means to own a business and not be self employed. So a lot of people don't really you're not born knowing this stuff, and so you think you own a business, but in fact you're just self employed. And that's uh, okay. It's okay to be self employed, but if you have dreams of running and owning a actual business. Uh, there's differences and you need to kind of understand uh, how to go about that. The, the E-Myth is a great book. It's just a very basic book that that talks about a woman who uh, who made a bakery, who, who opened a bakery. And like she did it because she loved baking pies with her grandma. And then after a year of running her bakery, she hated pies. And so it's like, it's like, like, uh, observing that storyline, which every single entrepreneur goes through and then how to fix it. And that's one thing I love about that book. It walks you through how to distinguish between working in your business and on your business, how to go through the, the tactics of building out an org chart and how to delegate and how to identify the roles that you need within your company and how to delegate those roles. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a timeless book. I think every entrepreneur needs to read it. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I, I absolutely love the E-Myth and you've inspired me. I think next time I take my dog Wilbur out for a walk, I'm going to plug that into Audible and give that a good listen again. Yeah, um, it's one of those you need to listen to every two or three years, right? Like the fundamentals are just timeless. 
Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I want to kind of, um, how did you get into business in the first place? Where did it all start for you? For me, I was dragged into business kicking and screaming by my father uh, on a hot summer day in the mid-90s. He said, get off your butt, quit playing Nintendo. I actually lined up a, a gig for you. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And he forced me to mow the neighbor's yard. Luckily, we were not living, I was not living in a democracy. Uh, and he told me, and he made me go cut the neighbor's grass. And after I got done, uh, I got paid 20 bucks. And I was, and I thought, wow, this is incredible. I, I, you mean I can just like do this and make as much money as I want? I don't have to hassle my folks for money. And, and I was just... I was bit by the entrepreneurial bug at that moment. The first thing I did was make a bunch of flyers and pass them out all over the neighborhood. And I had like 10 customers at the end of that first summer. And I stuck with that lawn mowing business all through high school, all through college. When I graduated college, I made a, a real business plan and, and, uh, and I saw it as a lane for me to kind of like make something of myself. I, I wanted to build the biggest, most profitable business in my industry, in my town. And, and I set out over 10 years to do that and had a lot of fun doing it. I think if you're doing business right, you should completely evolve as a new person every three, four, five years. And that certainly was the case for me starting my first company. So we've got a lot of um, gratitude there to Mr. Clayton Sr. who forced you to go out there and mow some lawns. I mean, what, That's what right. Victorian to take that business up to over $10 million as well is just like absolutely phenomenal. I have to give you a huge um, hat tip for, for, for that. And I think that'll inspire a lot of people as well because, you know, that we, we've been through remarkable times over the last the 12, 15 months with everything that's been going on around us in the world. And I think that where people are maybe, you know, struggling or had a bit of a downturn in their business that, um, you know, you've talked about all of the hard times which you've worked through and then subsequently with your second business and your business partners and you know all of those ups and downs there is always light at the end of the tunnel if you just get your head down and do the work that's right yeah and and you know if you think about your your business like what uh, i read a book by an author uh uh donald miller and the book is called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And, and the whole point of that book is like to live an interesting life, you have to li live an interesting story. And, uh, and so it's like, you got to do interesting stuff. You got to like do stuff that scares you. You got you to gotta do stuff that nobody else is doing. And, and I'm reading this book and I'm like, wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. My business is the thing that lends like an interesting storyline to my life. And so if you think about like a movie or, or a book, like there's the, the main character is going through highs and lows. They're overcoming these challenges, these obstacles. And for me, 22 years of business, the business is the thing that lends that, that type of storyline to my, to my life and has made it interesting. Whereas if I was working for somebody else in a cubicle somewhere, it wouldn't have been nowhere near as interesting. It would have been less risky, but every good story involves an element of risk. And so if you look at your business and reframe it in the context of uh, like, like that, it's like, yeah, I'm going through a, a tough time right now, a tough year, but this is the part of the story that makes like the triumph that much better. Um, it can kind of help you kind of stay the long haul. Yeah, I discovered that book very recently, actually. It's, it's one of those few books as well where I remember walking up the hill with my dog. Just it, He tells a, a very compelling story, um, very emotional story, and actually I kind of found myself tearing up a little bit over it. So thoroughly yeah, recommend book. that book by Donald Miller. It's a brilliant book. How, so how do you personally kind of stay motivated? You've, I mean, to, you've done on one business, kind of thought you'd retired, step back into another business. How do you keep yourself kind of like pepped up and, and motivated with the work you do? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think follow your passion and you'll never work a day in your life. I think that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> I think most passion you can't make money on. And so, and so like, I'll, I'll dispel that. So I think replace passion with purpose. I think, I think your business can be the thing that lends you purpose in life. It certainly is for me. You know, when I sold my first company, I went through a kind of melancholy period where, where I didn't have purpose. You know, like I didn't, uh, yeah, I was doing investing and it's a little bit of consulting for free as a hobby, but I didn't have the purpose. So, and so like I went back in the game, went, got back in the trenches and, uh, and, and suddenly I had this purpose all over again. And so that purpose can evolve. Uh, it has for me, you know, with GreenPal, but now, now the purpose that we have, that I have in the business is there's thousands of small business owners that use our software to run their business. Uh, little lawn care services, solo one, one man, one, one woman shops that if, if we don't do well, if we don't do what we're supposed to, if we don't execute, they're not going to have a livelihood. And, and we've, they've kind of grown their business on top of our platform. So that's, I take that very seriously. And that, that's why I get out of bed in the morning and the business is the thing that, that gives me that. And so that's, that's what keeps me going. You know, it's still very much day one for us. And that's, what's going to keep me going another decade in this company. I think that's incredibly inspiring. And how will you know if there's a time when you need to step away from, from doing that? You know, um, you, you evolve and you grow when, when you run a business. I certainly have, you know, I've, I've learned things that I never would have learned in a million years, read books. I never would have wanted to read, watch stuff on YouTube. I never would have watched. So that's the cool thing about it. Like it, you can grow with your company. Um, but I think like every company has like three phases, the startup, the grow up and the scale up. And I think I'm naturally suited for the first two phases, the scale up where it's like, okay, now, you know, you have a hundred plus 200 people, you have managers, training managers, and now you've got all of these, like these, these, these big company things that, and the culture might, you know, get a little out of whack. I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm wired to love that part. So I'm going to run this business for as long as I love doing it. And then if there's another, if there's a moment in time where I don't love it, then I'm probably going to hand the reins off to a professional CEO to take it over. But I haven't reached that point yet. So who knows, maybe I'll grow and evolve and be able to conquer that piece of it too, but I don't know yet. Nice, really inspiring story. And um, uh, Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're sort of coming towards the end of the um, the end of the episode already, believe it or not. I've got a couple of um, questions just to kind of wrap things up. So um, first up, how can people get hold of you? Yeah. So anybody, uh, we're not in UK yet, but we will be probably next year. Anybody in the United States that doesn't need a, that needs a grass cutting service, just download GreenPal in the app store or play store. Um, people can reach me on Instagram is where I hang out the most. Brian M. Clayton, just uh, drop me a follow and a DM there. And, and that's the best place to reach out to me. Awesome. And then I got one final question for you. So we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine. It's a bit like the DeLorean on back to the future, but it's a little <laughs> nice. bit safer. Uh, you're going to punch in uh, the dates into the dashboard, the little, little calculator thing they've got on there. Um, and you're going to go back in time, Brian, to speak to Brian T minus however many years. So what year is it and what message would you give to Brian? Jumping into DeLorean. All right, let's do it. Uh, so I'll, oh gosh, 20 something years. There's a lot of moments. One would be everybody wants to be an entrepreneur if, until you can't make payroll. And that's not fun. Um, in the 2008 crisis, I don't know how bad it was in UK, but in the United States, it was tough. Everything just came to a screeching halt. And I woke up one day and, and literally in three to three to four months time, we were we were just like, 
doing so well. And then at, at, overnight, it seemed like uh, all of our customers just quit spending money. And so payroll at that time was like 100, 120 grand a week. And, uh, and so payroll was due and I had like 17 K in the bank. And I remember feeling like, why is this happening to me? Oh my God. I, I, we were running, we were doing so good. Now this crisis has happened and it's like, it's not my fault. And then I kind of had to like go through the, through a period of time where like, this is not happening to me. It's happening for me. And if I can figure this out, and if I can make it all work and make everybody whole, I will look back on this moment and be glad that it happened. A really powerful, inspiring message there to kind of wrap things up with. And yes, we did struggle in uh, in the UK as well. I, at the time, I was running a marketing agency. And in the local area, pre that 2008 crash, there were 30 similarish sort of marketing agencies. By the end of it, around about sort of late 2009, there was only five of us left and we were one of wow. them. So um, yeah, the, the strongest did survive. But I always see this as a, like a really good thing. It's a similar to what's happening now. There's this big shift in the job sort of marketplace. There's lots of people in corporate coming out and starting up their businesses. There's a lot of people who are running businesses that maybe it didn't work out and they've had to go and get jobs. So what you end up with is this like really diverse set of ideas that converge into the two different sort of, um, you know, areas of employment. And I, I do actually think we need these resets as hard as they are in the moment. Like you said, you needed that to happen because you're now a much stronger person on the back That's side right. of that. So it's a great opportunity to take your business down to the studs and rebuild it back stronger. That's what happened to me. And that's, you know, that was really, really one of the reasons why I was able to get the business sold. And so, uh, yeah, it's, hap it's not happening to you. It's happening for you as the founder. And I, I have one burning question. Did, did you manage to make payroll? Yeah, it was really hard. I had to like bring everybody in like, hey, I screwed up. I didn't see this coming. I made X, Y, and Z mistakes. Um, here's how I'm going to fix it. I can't pay everybody today. I'm going to pay everybody what I can. I will make everybody whole. Um, if nobody wants to stay on over the next month where it's going to be tough, I understand. Sidebar, nobody nobody ended up quitting. Um, and we had, a, we had to sell like some assets. We had to take out a line of credit. We had to take money on credit cards, but we ended up making it work. Uh, and it actually galvanized the team. It made the team stronger. It made the culture stronger because we kind of got through this period together without having to fire anybody. And, uh, and so that was the cool thing that came out of it. But man, it sure did suck going through it. God, I bet. Gosh, wow. I wouldn't have liked to have been in your shoes at that point, being 120 <laughs> grand short of payroll. Wow, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. I could chat all day. Um, I hope you've had fun on the show as well. Absolutely, Robin. I had a ball. Awesome, thank you.